Hi, everyone. Uh, it's Michelle here. I want to give you an update on what is going on with fixing Section 174, a.k.a. fixing R&D expensing, a.k.a. making software development salaries expensable um, again and software development expenses expensable again. So there is a lot going on with this um, to the point where I have been meaning to record a podcast for several weeks on this to update you. And it's such a moving target, but that by the time I put my thoughts together and have time to sit down and record, the situation has shifted. And so today we are just forging ahead, um, well aware that what I say to you right now could very well be out of date um, by... Um, you know, Wednesday or Thursday of this week. So as I record this, um, it is Tuesday, January 30th. Um, it is approximately 6.30 a.m. Eastern time. Um, and so all of the political reporters are waking up now. So there could be breaking news coming out very soon, but we will plunge ahead anyway. So the first big update, which you probably have already seen from the news and from Twitter, um, is that about two weeks ago, um, a deal was finally struck um, on 174. Um, and the outline of the deal, which is currently known as H.R. 7024, um, the Tax Relief for American Families and Workers Act of 2024. So this is a big tax package that includes a bunch of different issues. Um, the primary thrust of, of this package, which was negotiated between uh, Senator Ron Wyden, um, a Democrat who is the chair of the Senate Finance Committee, and Representative Jason Smith, a Republican, who is the chair of the House Ways and Means Committee, where all uh, bills relating to taxation and revenue must originate. Um, the deal they struck um, is an extension of the pandemic era child tax credit, um, as well as um, a trio of different um, what are being called sort of business tax issues. Um, one of them being um, us um, related to U.S. expensing, and I'll get into that in a second. Um, and there's other stuff in there as well, like there, um, there's stuff about businesses that, that do business with Taiwan um, to encourage um, economic, de economic development um, in that area, um, as well as help for um, disaster relief victims. Um, so that they don't have to pay extra tax on on that. Um, so the part about this that relates to us um, and about 174 um, is that it would, first of all, make, first of all, it only relates to U.S. expensing. Um, and I'm going to get that out of the way first because I know that's hugely disappointing. I know it doesn't, doesn't matter for some of you. Um, but there are many of you who have contractors abroad or live abroad yourself, uh, like me. Um, and so this is a huge disappointment that foreign is not included in this and that foreign is still subject to 15 years. Um, and so I just have to kind of say right off the bat that I 
join you in feeling punched in the gut by that and was really, really disappointed. Um, but uh, the more I read about this and kind of thought about the situation, the more it became clear that if the domestic side is never fixed, um, the foreign side never will be. And given the very, you know, kind of inward looking um, stance of a lot of American politics these days from both sides of the aisle, um, it was hard enough, apparently, to get this package even together to then uh, add in a foreign component, given how anti-foreigner a lot of sections of American politics are right now, um, is just ask, asking for it to, to um, die. So that's really unfortunate. But fixing domestic means that there is hope for foreign. So let me get back to this. So as it relates to 174, this fixes um, expensing back to 2022. Um, so it's retroactive, which is really unusual for a tax provision, which is awesome. And then it extends it through 2025. Now, people are asking me, are we just going to be back in this situation in 2025? And the situation, the sort of, it's kind of, of course, we don't know what we're, we're going to be in 2025, but it's both a yes and a no in the sense that having it end in 2025 aligns it with the rest of the 2017 uh, tax bill uh, provisions that are expiring. So, for example, if your business is a pass-through, you're probably getting the 199A deduction. Um that one is going to expire in 2025 as well. A ton of other things um, are going to expire in 2025. And so this basically lines it up with everything else um, with the thought being that everything then gets renegotiated in one fell swoop in 2025. And hopefully that includes foreign R&D. Um, but so that is the thought there. The other part of it is that uh, this is just kind of how Congress works on these things. So to do a permanent fix, um, if you've ever dealt with infinite numbers, you know how difficult that is. Uh, Congress cannot budget in infinite numbers. Um, and so to infinitely reduce the IRS revenue from this is basically an infinitely large bill um, that is impossible to pass. Um, and so there are actually a lot of other provisions that are financed on a, an annual or, you know, two, three, four, five year basis um, because they're just simply too expensive to fund A for forever or B for 10 years. Um, so there's actually a lot of stuff that um, just kind of automatically renews every couple of years. So the fact that it will expire um, in a couple of years is not really a reason for concern um, at this time. So that's the bill itself. So this being called the tax deal, you may you may have heard about it. Um, so there's some good news on it already, but there's also some reason for uh, concern and action. So last, was this last week or was it two weeks ago? Y'all, this is moving so fast, I can't even keep it straight in my own brain. Okay, but so how this deal um, started out as a little baby bill was introduced. Um, first, a bill, if you remember your schoolhouse rock, it goes into committee. And there is a hearing in committee. 
And in this case, that is the Ways and Means Committee. Um, and there is a discussion on it. And it passed committee um, 40 to 3, which is amazing. Um, so it was very strongly bipartisan, very limited support, very, very encouraging. Okay. So yeah, I think that was about that was about two weeks ago now. So so it passes committee. And then it goes into this limbo state of, is the speaker going to put it on the floor? Now, as you may be aware from um, maybe even being remotely aware of U.S. politics for the last, you know, certainly the past year, but if not the past couple of years, um, is that it's kind of a contentious place, especially the House, sort of prone to chaos. Um, so, but in general, even during normal times, the speaker will not put a bill onto the House floor um, that they want to pass um, unless they know they have the votes for it. Um, and this is why they employ someone in their leadership called the House Whip, whose job it is to whip the votes, which is congressional speak for make sure that all of the representatives are going to fall in line or at least as many as they need to in order to pass the bill. Um, the problem with this is even though there is very strong bipartisan support for this, uh, package and for fixing 174 in general, but but this package as well, because I think between the child tax credit, um, the business tax issues, you know, disaster relief, Taiwan, like there's a lot for it. For there's something for everybody to like in this. Probably something for everybody to dislike, but hopefully more to like. Um, this looks like it is very unlikely to pass with only Republican votes alone, and that's kind of how business has gotten done in the House. Um, for big packages um, in recent memory is that everything is on party line. Like, for example, the tax bill in 2017, that was entirely on party line. Um, so, so what's going on here is that the speaker, based on, you know, the whispers that get out into, you know, the press and reporters and like various, you know, D.C. places, um, seems to be in support um, of the tax package, um, but knows that he does not have enough Republican votes. Now, 150 House Republicans sent a uh, letter to their leadership in December um, asking them to prioritize fixing um, these business tax issues, including um, the 174 stuff. So, if we look at that and then we look at the Democratic support, there's a good amount of support for this. But knowing that and knowing that there is some opposition from the hardliners within his own party, um, the way they are moving the bill forward is called suspension of the rules. And this doesn't mean that it will be entirely lawless um, on the House floor um, when they do this. Um, but rather that it's kind of a special way for bills to go through that are usually non-controversial. Like I, I was looking at the suspension of the rules calendar last week and it was stuff like rename this post office to be after, you know, this like, you know, important teacher in the community or football player or whatever, like kind of stuff that isn't really no, no one's really going to object to. Um, there's a thing on the Congress website you can look at called the, the suspension calendar. And what that means is that it is that it skips the rules committee. And now the rules committee, um, they basically set the 
kind of the terms, uh, the the sort of the scope of the the debate um, for a particular bill. Um, and so usually when a bill is going to go to the floor, it has to go through the rules committee unless the speaker decides to go the route of suspending the rules. Now, this is helpful, and this is why they're doing this approach, is because, A, you get to skip the rules committee, which has several hardline members in it who uh, do not support this deal. Um, and the so then that means it gets to the floor with with no ability to add you know toxic amendments to it that are going to sink it um, either on the house or in the senate um the challenge with that though is that instead of needing a simple majority um the uh, the bill has to pass the house with a two-thirds majority so that's usually enough of a hurdle um that it doesn't happen because you know the the majority right now only has several um, several seats uh, majority. So it's a very, very slim majority. Um, but this bill has a lot of bipartisan support. Um, and there is opposition from a couple of factions. So I mentioned, um, you know, the House Freedom Caucus, who are, who are the hardline folks. They are probably not going to support it. Uh, there's a group of representatives from... California, New York, New Jersey, um, who are upset that it doesn't include relief for state taxes, um, and so they might oppose it. Um, there are probably some on um, the Democratic side who aren't going to support it. Um, however, it it's very, very possible that it does get, you know, the votes that it needs um, in the House to get to that two-thirds majority. Um, and we don't know when it's coming up for a vote in the House. It's likely this week. Um, it's likely in the next couple of days. Um, but we can't feel certain that it is going to get those votes. And every single representative needs to hear from people in their districts whether they are small business owners or they are employees um, in an industry that is impacted whether that is like most of you software technology uh, biotech manufacturing like there are tons of of um, of industries that are impacted by this um, and so this is my call to action for you 15 minutes into this podcast look at me being so great at getting that cta right up front um is to call your congressperson um i know many of you have already called your congressperson many of you for the first time which is wonderful um and i am so proud of you i can tell you that even from our own house um this prompted matthias to call our representative for the first time um he became a u.s citizen a couple of years ago um, so that was a very proud moment. Um, you know, it seems weird, like calling Congress, like, can you even do that? Yes, you can do that. And it'll take you two seconds. Um, all you have to do is go to ssballiance.org, um, type in your information, and I will tell you, using my own API, um, who your congressperson is and what their phone number is. And then you call them. And this is going to their DC office. And you say, hi, 
My name is so-and-so, and I'm a constituent and a small business owner in your district. Can you please ask the representative to support HR 7024? That's all you have to say. And then the nice person on the other line who is, you know, a staff member, they might even be uh, an intern, um, they'll say, okay, can I have your name again? They might ask you to repeat your phone number. They might ask for your address. It's unlikely. They have a list of who all their constituents are. Um, and then they keep a tally. This literally used to be sheets of paper. Um, Patrick McKenzie did a thread about calling your congressperson yesterday. Um, and there was all sorts of fun stories in the comments on, on, on how um, offices used to keep tallies. Um, when I was in school in D.C., I remember there was a lot like like, you know, my friends who were Hill interns would talk about, you know, having a Google sheet of all of the people who called in on specific bills. Um, the technology is probably hopefully better at this point, um, but that's the idea. Every single call on a specific bill has to be tracked from a constituent. Um, if you are not one of their constituents, um, it's not really worth you calling. Um, so, you know, call your representative um, and then they will add you to the tally of people who support H.R. 7024, which is the bill number for the Tax Relief for American Families and Workers Act of 2024. Okay, so some other things going on. Um, I did a thread pulling together a lot of your stories that you have shared with me um, over the past year um, because um, there are some people who have been willing to come forward and speak in the press, which is wonderful. And I think we should all be so grateful to them to that and if you are willing to speak to the press please email me asap or send me a dm um but many of you i understand um are are not willing or able to um you know for example you might you might be concerned you know if you're your employees um or your competitors to read that in the press um which is totally understandable so i did an anonymous thread of many of those stories um and that thread uh, ended up going viral. It got picked up on Hacker News. Um, but very crucially, um, it was picked up by the House Ways and Means Committee. Um, and they sent out an email last week um, that included quotes from this thread um, um, after after they had, had passed the bill. Um, so that was really fantastic. Um and very, very exciting. Um, okay. So that's the situation right now. Um, your action items. Number one, call your congressperson. I know a lot of you listen to this in the car with your kids when you're going to drop them off at school. Make that call on speaker while they're in the car. This will literally take you two minutes to do. And I think it's really powerful to show your kids that they can call Congress. It doesn't have to be something that, that you know, is a mystery to them. Um, so call your congressperson, ask them to support H.R. 7024. The second thing is, if you are willing to talk to reporters, please DM or email me ASAP, SSBAlliance at MGWHanson.com, or just, you know, my, my, my DMs um, are open right now for better or for worse um just so people can reach out to me so 
um, we there are a lot of reporters who want to hear from small businesses on this. Um, we don't feel like our perspective on this has gotten into the press enough. There is still a perception among some factions that this only helps big businesses, which all of us, after looking at our taxes, know is definitely not true. Um, so please, if you are willing to talk to reporters and talk about how you've had to lay people off or you had to take out, you know, a personal line of credit or use your personal credit card or, um, uh, you know, any kind of other um, impacts that this has, um, please let me know now, as soon as you hear this. Even if you're listening to this on like Thursday or Friday of this week or you know, after the House has passed the bill, please send it to me because after the House passes it, then we have the Senate and it can still, you know, get amendments and stuff in the Senate. And um, we're, we're going to have a lot of work to do even after this passes the House. Um, and so it will still be very, very valuable to have um, more stories um, that we can get out there. Um, so if you're willing to talk to reporters, please let me know. Um, I'm happy to talk to you first and like prep you for it and totally happy to do that. Okay, that is the update for today. Thank you. Go call Congress. Talk soon. Huge thanks to all of our listeners who've become software socialites and support our show. Chris from Chipper CI, the daringly handsome Kevin Griffin, and Mike from Gently Used Domains, who has a nice personality. Dave from Recut. Max of Online or Not, Stefan from Talk to Stefan, Brendan Andrade of Bright Bits, Team Tuple, Alex Hillman from the Tiny MBA, Rami from Hovercode and Rocket Gems, Jane and Benedict from UserList, Kendall Morgan, Ruben Gomez of Signwell, Corey Haynes of Swipewell, Mike Wade of Crowd Sentry, Nate Ritter of Roomsteals, Anna Mast of SubscribeSense, Jeff Roberts from Outsetta, Justin Jackson, MegaMaker, Jack Ellis and Paul Jarvis from Fathom Analytics, Matthew from Appointment Reminder, Andrew Culver at Bullet Train, John Coster, Alex of Corso Systems, Richard from Stunning, Josh the Annoyingly Pragmatic Founder, Ben from Consent Kit, John from Credo and Editor Ninja, Cam Sloan, Michael Copper of Nucy Proposals, Chris from URL Box, Callie of Toslet, Greg Park from Trait Lab, Adam from Rails Autoscale, Lana and Alex from Recapsi, Joe Mazzalotti of RailsDevs.com, Proud Mama from Applenet LLC, Anna from Cradle, Monsef from Ruby on Mac, Steve of Be Inclusive, Simon Bennett of Snapshooter Backups, Josh Smith of Keyhero.io, Jesper Christensen of Form Backend, Matthew of Works Cited, Chris of JetBoost.io, Daryl Shannon of Docomatic, Larabelles, a community for Larabelle developers underrepresented due to their gender, Brendan from Feederloop, Pascal from Sharpen.page, Lynn Romick from Convini, Arvid Call, James Sowers from Castaway.fm, Jessica Malnick, Damian Moore of Audio Audit Podcast Checker, Eldon from Nodal Studios, Mitchell Davis from RecruitKit.